intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. Coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am Efren Guzman. And my guest today, he is the serious creator of the toys that made us, Brian Volkwiss. Weiss. Weiss or Wiss? Am I saying it correctly? Weiss. Weiss? Brian Volk. Oh, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good in the Midwest, man. Um, I know the East Coast is getting some warm weather. The Midwest is kind of in between. So um, you're in the West Coast, correct? Yeah. Where in the Midwest are you? Uh, Wisconsin. Oh, cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's, yeah, we, when we get the cold, we get like the minus wind chill. It's, it's not totally bad now, but, you know, if you was walking you know a lot around here like you know it's not like the east coast we have to walk everywhere here you're driving everywhere but you only walk for like five ten minutes when you're going in a walmart or something so it's not totally bad okay all right well i i, uh, I still like our weather better no offense no 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 hey hey I'm, I'm jealous of your weather but you see i know you're probably jealous of me because you don't get to wear um north face jackets and skelly caps right <laughs> all jokes aside yeah, I am a little jealous. I went to college in Iowa, and I, I, I love that part of the country. I miss it very much. Oh, and um, where, where did you grow up at? In New York. In New York? Oh, um, well, what part of the city? In Queens, Forest Hills. Oh, Forest Hills, Queens? Okay, I, I, I used to live in Sunnyside, Queens. Um, New York is so... Yeah. It's so I love New York of the diversity. I love the food. I love where you could walk down certain blocks. You could get Greek, Italian, or or Ch- Chinese, Japanese. Um, how was it like growing up in Forest Hills, Queens? You know, it, it was great. Uh, I look back on it, uh, you know, incredibly fondly. New York is my favorite city in the world, um, and yeah, it was great. I mean, I didn't know any better, but I've seen a lot of other places since, and I, I'm still glad I grew up in New York. Oh, uh, um. Um, and what was your biggest inspiration into becoming a documentarian, I guess, I would say, or be- becoming in-, in the entertainment industry? Well, I'm pretty sure the thing that has me in the entertainment business, uh, instead of being uh, a lawyer or a dentist in New York, I'm like from a, half my family is like all dentists. Oh, wow. Um, is Star Wars, you know. Um, I-, I was so young when I saw Star Wars that, and this is not the word that I would use for it, of course, but um, when I was a kid. But basically, I was so young when I saw the movie, I basically thought it was like a documentary. Like, I didn't understand what a movie was. So, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time, I was running around. People said, what do you want to do when you grow up? I was like, oh, I want to join the Rebellion. I want to fly an X-Wing. <laughs> and I was dead serious. Um, and then finally, my mom bought me this book uh, that was like, I still have it. It was for, like, little kids. Um, about the making of Star Wars, you know, and it showed C-3PO with his helmet off. It showed, you know, that the TIE fighters were like 12 inches tall instead of, whatever, 50 feet tall. And pretty much ever since I saw that book, um, I wanted to be in show business and make movies and TV shows. And and that's, I'm almost positive the reason why I live in L.A. and am in show business versus still being back in New York. Wow. Um, you know, I know Star Wars had a tremendous impact on me as well because I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm a big Star Trek fan. Um, um, watching that movie, um, how old was you when you first saw Star Wars? I mean, I was born in 76. Okay. Um, and 
mean, I did see it in the theaters. You know, it stayed in the theaters for like almost four years. People forget that now. Yeah. Um, I don't remember seeing it. Um, the first, I don't even remember seeing Empire. I, the, only the first movie I remember seeing is Jedi. Um, but um, I probably saw it when I was three or four years old. Um, and uh, and it, was, uh, it was in the theaters. Yeah, I think I remember that too. I think I remember seeing Return of the Jedi in the theaters, but I remember seeing, I believe, Empire Strikes Back on Showtime back in the day when you had the cable box channels with the letters. The channel H was Showtime. Yeah. So, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> that's how I remember it. Um, so seeing that, that really had a tremendous impact on your, I guess, life and career now. Correct? Yeah, changed my whole life. Yeah. Oh, uh, and um, did you have any other sports or hobbies you had any other interest in, or like when you seen Star? Like, was you interested in like sports or like more into sci-fi? Like, what was your hobbies early on? I I was definitely not into sports. Um, I you could argue I was into everything but sports. Um. <laughs> I mean, really, I was just into, I was like a real geek. Uh, and by the way, you know, when it was not cool to be a geek, to put it mildly. Um, you know, I was really into sci-fi. Uh, I also love Star Trek. And, um, you know, I would paint models in my basement. Uh, you know, I would uh, um, go to comic book store. And again, like, that's all cool now for people to do. But I don't know how old you are, but I'm almost 42. Uh, that, that, that was not cool. Uh, uh, in uh, the 80s and 90s, uh, let me assure you. Um, did you go to like Midtown Comics down on 42nd Street, like to get your comic fix and everything? I, I do now religiously when I go back, uh, and I'm in New York, you know, anywhere from 5 to 10, 15 times a year. I uh, almost never don't go to Midtown Comics. Sometimes I go to more than one of them. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I am, uh, I'm a big fan, but no, back in the day, uh, all my, uh, all my stores were in Queens. Oh, okay. And, um, tell me, um, how... You know, this got started because I remember, you know, we talked before. You sent me some stickers of the toys that made us. I was like, what is this? I was like, I didn't even know what it was, but I knew seeing the sticker. I was like, this is going to be great. I just knew it was, it was going to be great because there's been like shows on television. Like there was a show called Toy Hunter. I think it was on the Travel Channel. And I always, you know, it's always curious to me about, the, you know, toys behind the scenes. And your documentary, you know, it's it's amazing. It's four episodes and I rewatch at least your um the documentary like three like three times I, I rewatched it especially the he-man one because he-man was my was my biggest toy fix when i was a little kid like i remember i got like the whole like the whole collection of he-man and you know just going into the documentary and the whole toys that made us like how did you was this like a, a team effort or did you think did you thought about this like how did it what was the embryonic stages of it Okay. at least 10 to 20 years, is, you know, I'm a huge history buff, and I'm reading about history all the time, mm -hmm. my whole life, you know, going back to junior high. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed, and I always thought was kind of interesting, was like, World War II and the Civil War, you know, like, just using the Civil War, like the Civil War probably has eight or nine hundred books written about it. Mm -hmm. Um World War II probably has 1,500 to 2,000 books mm -hmm. written about it. 
So it's like, it's amazing to me that if you talk to people our age, maybe even, actually, I don't know your age, but, you know, if you talk to people yeah. between 20 and 40, like, everybody knows who Optimus Prime is. Everybody mm -hmm. knows who Sneak Eyes is or Skeletor. But, like, there's very little about these characters that you could argue are much more well-known and much more popular um, and had a lot more to do with raising people and becoming who they became than the Civil War or World War II or the Vietnam War, let alone the Roman Empire. So basically, I always thought it was kind of funny that if you wanted to know anything about Transformers or He-Man, you had to find like self-published books or, you know, documentaries that are sometimes great, but weren't done with the full resources of a network. So I always noticed that. So a lot of this started with my love of history. And then my toys is just, you know, it's really my only hobby. So I have a huge toy collection. And I basically put these two theories together, the history and the toys. And I mean, I started working on this five, six years ago, maybe even seven years ago at this point. And um, we came very close to selling the show to a couple of different places. But at the last minute, they didn't bite. And um, very luckily, uh, Netflix, who I was already in business with, uh, because I do a lot of stand-up comedy production, um, so I knew a lot of the people at Netflix, um, eventually, uh, what uh, they used to refer to as Brian's Crazy Toy Show, um, we uh, were able to sell it to them and make it. Wow. It's amazing. And, you know, it's not just, you know, you're showing clips of old toys and you're showing, you know, the process of making it, but you're actually talking to the creators. You're actually talking to the people, you know, who developed, who came up with the ideas and the, and the lawyer teams and, and, you know, and, and everybody who you wouldn't think you would be able to talk to, you talk to, um, what was it like trying to get, you know, everybody together? Like, was it hard to get, you know, executives and creators behind the brainchild of these toys? Like, you know, trying to get like the same scheduling, like how did you get everybody together? We got every single person we wanted with two exceptions, one being George Lucas, um, and the other one I don't want to say who it is because it's, uh, it's a bunch of drama. Okay. Um, every single other person we got, um, we got who we wanted. The only trouble we had was some of the people that we wanted were very busy. So like Michael Bay, um, he's a busy guy. So it took us seven or eight months to finally uh, lock him down and be able to shoot with him. So we had to send a crew to Miami to get his interview. But he always wanted to do it. He was always cool about it. Um, it was just hard because he's a busy dude. Dolph Ledrin, who, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. I didn't realize it. But, like, he's making two TV shows and three big-ass movies. Um, same thing for him. So, like, the first time we talked to his people, uh, they were cool, and he wanted to do it, but it took six, seven months um, to be able to finally find a time where we could get him in a room for an hour. Um, but everybody was great, you know? We got, as you said, we got lawyers, we got designers, you know, we got people that have been interviewed three or four times, you know, we got people who have never been interviewed. So um, it, it was just a matter of hunting them down and finding them. You know, there was a lot of detective work where, you know, we'd interview somebody who'd never been interviewed before, and he or she would say, hey, did you talk to so-and-so? And we're like, who's so-and-so? And then they would make an introduction, and then we'd go find them 
um, and interview him. So it, it was, it was the, like you said, there was, there was a fair amount of detective work, um, but everybody was great. You know, many times um, with some of the bigger people that we spoke to prominence-wise, you know, they would tell us ahead of time, their people would, you know, so-and-so only has an hour, so make sure you don't go over an hour. So we'd be interviewing them, we'd get to the hour mark, and we'd be like, oh, thank you so much. And every single time, not 99%, 100% of the time, those people would say, um, cool, do you have any more questions? And we'd be like, well, you know, we actually do have a couple more questions, but we were told to keep it under an hour. And they would be like, no, 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 I'm enjoying this. Let's keep going. Oh, so wow. everybody was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's even like sometimes when I do interviews too, um, they say, oh, just give me 30 or give me 40. Then all of a sudden when it's, it's like over, it's like, no, this is cool. Let's keep going. Like, oh, okay, you know, we'll go overtime. That's fine. So that that's great because it's also, I guess, that's a chapter in their life that probably was – who knows, they probably have other successes in their careers, but at that time, that probably was one of the biggest, you know, from He-Man to Barbie to Transformers, that, you know, that was, you know, major league franchises' success in the toy industry. So, you know, and then all the stories, you know, I didn't realize, like, you know, pretty much Star Wars was, the con- you know, the conception of the toy market, and, you know, besides shows, movies, you know, you know everything was pretty much... You know, you've seen a movie a bit, a movie about it. There's a toy package to it. You see a movie, there's a toy to it. So, it's it's a really interesting documentary, and I loved how each documentary, everybody had equal amount of time. Like, you know, the runtime for each one is just, just about the same. So, it's 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 so it's so refreshing to see. You know, because I you know I was a big toy head when I was young. When, when I was younger and. You know, toys was like a gateway. You know, you know, everybody's gateway drug is something different, but toys was my gateway drug. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, you know, I yeah, you know, like I lived, had my own He-Man world. You know, I didn't had a wrestling ring. I just used my imagination and my bed as a wrestling ring. You know, as a wrestling ring with my toy wrestlers. So seeing that, it, it brought a lot of nostalgia back to me, and um, it's just amazing. And um, I'm talking about you know back to the toys that made us um. What was the toys that made you, basically? Was it just Star Wars, or was it G.I. Joe as well? Like, the toys, the first four episodes, was all, besides Barbie, all those toys, was that your passion, those toys? Well, no. Uh, no? I oh. probably knew more about Barbie than I did about He-Man. Really? Um, I, I okay. knew about He-Man. I actually bought my first He-Man figure about five months ago. Um, so, wow. Uh, to answer the first part of your question, I mean, the main thing for me was Star Wars. So I was very into Star Wars. I was very into G.I. Joe and Transformers as well, but nothing like Star Wars. Star Wars was like my dominant toy uh, growing up by far. And then, you know, Lego was, of course, always there. So uh, I always I always want to mention Lego because Lego was the one toy I, I never stopped playing with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, but back to your question... Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about He-Man. Uh, I'm not a swords guy. Um, and now in retrospect, I didn't completely understand He-Man. Uh, if I knew, if I understood He-Man a bit better, I think I would have been into it. But I've never, like I'm into spaceships and lasers. Like I'm not, I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy. Like I'm not, the first thing in my entire life that I like uh, with dragons and swords is Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Nothing before that. Like I was never into Dungeons and Dragons. Like I just, I like sci-fi. 
Like, I'm not a fantasy guy. So um, I just always thought E-Man was, you know, swords and sandals. And I didn't realize until we made this show, A, there were basically, there was a lot of high technology in it. Mm -hmm. um, and B, I mean, it was just such a bananas toy. Um, like, just, I mean, just, I mean, now that you've seen the episode, you know, you know how crazy it was like that it came together but even if you didn't know that like the toys were just crazy i mean there was like no connection between like i mean the the you know, a, a crab arm you know another guy with eyes popping out of his head you know all these weird you know fur people the smelling characters so i think i would have really liked it if i understood it better but yeah i, I didn't know anything about he-man before we started yeah. and now i love it yeah, I always said He-Man was an amalgamation of Star Wars and Lord of the Rings combined together because you have like you know um, magic and you have technology and you know I think they really dropped the ball. Well, I still have a special place in my heart for the movie, but if with the technology we have now and you know the directors out there, if there was a chance to do He-Man, if you combine it like a Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, you would have trilogy or you know multi multi movies if 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 it's possible that could definitely be done so it's he-man is a big success like you know i just hate when you have these toy franchises and then they come out with like gem and the holograms the uh, i don't know if you ever seen the movie but whoa boy atrocious yeah atrocious like you know the you know the animation is years beyond the movie so it's, it's just and the animation is dated now but if you see the the show there was so much drama for a child watching that you know you know like her boyfriend was psychologically disturbed where he loves jen but you know he, he feels like he's cheating on jen with jerica when they're the same person you know it's just it was just crazy as a child watching that like there was so much there's so much depth in a cartoon like jen almost getting killed by eric benton and there's there's i mean for kids cartoons it was pretty deep you know and and the toys well, I feel like robotech i mean robotech <laughs> is the craziest thing in the world yeah that too uh, yeah i watch it now and i'm like oh like i didn't understand any of that when i was a kid <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, even Voltron, if you see Voltron, it's a, it was really adult. And if if you see the Japanese Voltron, like, they edited a lot of stuff in America, but it was a deep cartoon, and there was death, there was tragedy, and, you know, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's it still resonates with it because there was actual storylines to it. And, you know, it didn't really make fun of itself. It took itself seriously as an animation cartoon format, you know, and plus the voice actors who put life into the into the animation were amazing, you know, and and, and 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 just having the action figures in your possession and playing with it after watching it on TV, you know, you create your own storyline with it, and you know, you you if you don't have the vehicles, you use your imagination. Like my mother couldn't afford to get me all the toys, so I remember I had like the um crack animal cracker cereals and i and they you know they were on the on the cover of it i'll just cut them out and play with them as cardboard you know like it was just so crazy yeah no it, it was a uh, it was an era that uh, i don't think we're gonna see again yeah um and going back to the i know you only have four episodes um can you talk about the upcoming episodes you have coming up there's four more coming we made eight you made eight or oh, what are the other ones that are coming up uh, Transformers, Lego, Hello Kitty, and Star Trek. Wow! Oh, Star Trek! Oh, that's got to be amazing. I'm sure you got playmates and everything, right? Talk with playmates and everything. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was, it was the, like the playmates of it all was just hysterical. Those guys, almost as funny as the He-Man guys. 
you know, and you know, the thing is, you're saying there's and the thing about documentaries, there's documentaries out there, you'll see it once and you're like, all right, I'm over it. The documentaries, you know, it's very rewatchable. You can rewatch it again and see parts that you miss. And it's something that, you know, it's informative. It's, 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 it's funny. And like the little stories like in, involved in it, it's just amazing. And, you know, you can't make this stuff up, you know, real life. It's its own story. You can't make this stuff up. It's just amazing. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I agree, and I, I appreciate your kind words. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm serious. It's a very great documentary. Um, who was? Um, I, I know you said George Lucas was really hard. You know, he, he like he he didn't even like want to do it really. But did did you had any other trouble like with the document? Any like from any segments? Did you had any trouble with anybody that you had to like coerce? Wait, or I gotta, I gotta tell you, man, like this is the longest and most complicated show I have ever produced. I've conservatively produced three dozen shows, maybe four or five dozen. I don't know. I've never counted. This is the longest and most complicated of my career by far. I mean, we're not done, dude. Like, we're still working through the episodes uh, that are coming out in four months. They're not even locked. So, I mean, we've been working on this for over a year in active production and post-production. That said, this has been the most joyful, and not just because it's my hobby, um, dude, everybody was great. Hasbro was great. Mattel was great. Lego was great. All the people we spoke to were great. Everybody was nice. Um, everybody bent over backwards to help us. You know, we flew to Japan uh, and met with the people at Takara that had done the original, uh, what would become the Transformers. Um, like, everybody was great. Uh, I mean, uh, there was certainly some people at the beginning who were like, uh, what's going to happen with this? You know, is it really on Netflix? But as soon as they, uh, as soon as they realized we were legit, I mean, like I said, people were just bending over backwards to help. The Hasbro and Mattel led us into their headquarters. They helped us hunt down former employees from like 30 years ago. Like, I mean, it, it, it was great. Like I said, and just to be clear on George Lucas, I mean, I just think he didn't want to do it. Like, his people were completely nice and completely cool. Um, you know, we never got a specific reason why he wouldn't talk to us. But it's just, I just get the, and again, I'm a huge, I worship him, you know. I think he's responsible for me and my career and living in California and everything. Like, I, so I read everything about him and I, you know, I've, I've read a billion interviews with him. And I just think he's over it. Like, I just think, you know, I think he's talked about the toys for 40 years. And, um, I just, uh, like, I don't think it was, like, a bad or personal or anything thing. I think he just, you know, he's kind of semi-retired and enjoying life. Um, the other guy, who I'm not going to mention, he was just kind of a pain in the butt. So, uh, but other than that guy, um, everybody was great. Now you got me curious, who is this pain in the butt? <laughs> you know? Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's not the show. That's not the show we're making. Yeah. I gotcha. Um... Um, have you heard anything on how it's it's doing? Because I don't know, you know, there's like TV, they have ratings. Like, do you know if, I don't know, do they track like how many people are watching it on Netflix? Like, is it like a tracking system? Or, like... Yeah, I mean, they, they, they track it in an extremely sophisticated way um, with algorithms and computers and all that. Um, I have been told it's doing very well. Um, and, um, everything I've heard is positive, but I know that Netflix, 
uh, you know, they, they need time. You know, a big part of their data and algorithm requires time to pass. So I am not expecting to hear if we're getting any more episodes or not till at least, you know, 30 days after the premiere. So today is the 12th. So I would say the earliest we'll know is 10 days from now, but it, it could be three months. It could be six months. Okay. From the 12 episodes you already have locked down, do you have any other episodes? Eight, I'm sorry, eight. I mean, I mean, yeah, the, the four that's coming up, the four that's already on. Um, do you have anything in the top of your head that you are inquiring about or wanting to explore in the toy realm? Like any other, like uh, WWE wrestlers, the LJN line, or any anything you could think of? Um, you mean like uh, eight, like after the original? Yes, eight? yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, so number one, without a doubt, would have to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, then tied for second place would be um, My Little Pony um, and probably the wrestling figures. And then um, definitely uh, Power Rangers. Uh, we have a whole list. I mean, we have 20 shows that we want to do. Um, but, I mean, with, without a doubt, uh, the, uh, the Turtles... WWF and um, or WWE WWF uh, and then um, uh, 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 what do you call it um, Power Rangers are in the, the top group another one also in the top group would be Hot Wheels slash Matchbox slash Micro Machines wow um, so we would do a Cars episode of course um, but and by the way I've, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks if, if I'm ever found dead in a ditch uh the, the, the My Little Pony fan club should be uh, investigated for an alibi. Uh, they, uh, they're very unhappy. Uh, we did not cover uh, My Little Pony uh, in the first date. Oh man! You see, like, not like you know, I, I was, I wasn't upset. But I was like, damn, I wish they would talk about WWE wrestling toys because their toys evolved a lot over time. I guess every toy evolves over time, depending on they're still in the market. But you know, I, I'll be completely honest with you. Yeah. Like. All the people complaining about Turtles and My Little Pony and Power Rangers, like, those toys were on the list, and I just chose to do the eight that I chose. Yeah. Wrestling? Uh, that, that was not on the list at all, and I am shocked um, with how many uh, emails and Facebook DMs and whatever we're getting uh, about... Uh, uh, about wrestling. I was never into wrestling. None of my friends were into wrestling. I don't know anything about wrestling. So, um, but as I told you with He-Man, um, it doesn't matter if I don't know about it. Um, you know, I want to learn the stories of what everybody cares about. So, um, we will, if we get more episodes, almost guaranteed we'll do wrestling. Oh, that would be so awesome. Um, a couple of more questions. Um, what so far has been the most memorable moment in your life so far? In my whole life? Yep. Do you want me to say the truth, uh, which is the, the, the birth of my children? Yes, yes, yes. To, so yeah, the uh, truth. Yeah, of course. The birth of my children. Oh. I mean, uh, there's nothing. I don't know if you have kids or not. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do. I have two. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, mean I don't want to shortchange my second born. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally to go from, I think I was probably 36 or something. I was probably 37, I guess, or 38 when my daughter was born. I mean, so to live 38 years without a kid and then have a kid, I mean, 
Do you have any regrets in life? If you couldn't do what you're doing now, is there? Did you have like a plan B, or this? You always had this in the back of your mind that like you would. I never had a plan B. Never. I mean, when I was three or four or five years old, I decided I want to, you know, make movies, um, and I have not uh, changed that path. Uh, for some reason, before that, I wanted to be a limo driver for a while. Uh, you know, like when I was three or four years old, I guess I saw a limo, and I was like, oh, that's the best. <laughs> um, but uh, other, other than wanting to be a limo driver, um, there is uh, there, there's nothing I've wanted to do other than this. I mean, you can talk to people I've known, you know, since I was three or four years old, and they'll tell you, like, Brian said he was going to do it, and then he went and did it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> um, yes. I, uh, I I definitely uh, have stayed the path. Oh. There, there was no plan B. Oh. Brian, do you have like a favorite quote? Is there like a quote you live by, like a personal motto? You know, it, 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 there, there's a few. Um, can, do you need one or can I give you a few? You can give me a few. I'd say the two that are the most important to me is, uh, since you're a Star Trek fan, um, it's a line from Star Trek Two, mm-hmm. uh, where Kirk says, "I don't believe in the no-win scenario." Yeah, ah, nice. <laughs> that is, without a doubt, um, I mean, that is what I probably will hope to have on my tombstone. Um, <laughs> that is uh, every uh, dark and scary moment in my life. Um, all I had to do was think of that quote, and I got through it. Um, so that's definitely number one. And then maybe tied or maybe a close second, uh, and I don't, I don't even know who said this, man. Um, but, uh, so you gotta Google it, uh, to figure it out. But, um, it's a great quote I heard a long time ago. I think I read it in a book, but, um, creativity without implementation is negligence. Hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. And, uh, those, those are probably the two, uh, the two most important quotes in my life. Oh, awesome. And my final question for you is, what would the Brian of today tell the Brian of yesterday? Well, how, how far ago, how long ago was yesterday? Um, yesterday when you was, um, 18 Brian, 18 year old Brian. You know, I think about this every now and then, and, uh, you know, for the longest time, you know, it's funny how as you get older and things change, you look at things differently as things progress. Um, you know, the one thing I wish I had done differently in my career is um, I wish that when I got out to L.A., I worked at an agency. Um, 
you know, uh, I don't know how much you know about how this whole thing works out here, but, you know, the agencies are, they, they if, if you work at an agency for a year, you learn so much and you meet so many people, um, and uh, I, I, I think I would have enjoyed very much uh, working at an agency, but I also think that uh, I would have um, met a lot of people, and, uh, you know, everybody has a tough road. Nobody has an easy road, but um, I, I think my road would have been a little easier uh, had I worked at an agency for a couple of years at the beginning of my career. So I've had that thought forever. You know, uh, in July, I will have been out here for 20 years. Um, and like I said, you know, probably five or six years into my career, I was like, yeah, I should have started off at an agency. But now, as I'm getting close to 20 years, I wonder if that would have been a good thing. You know, there's a very good chance if I had gone to an agency, I would have loved it and never left. And I'm not saying anything would be wrong with that. Some of my best friends are agents. You know, half my groomsmen were agents. So uh, being an agent's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Um... But it's just, uh, you know, I'm very happy and comfortable in my life and career. So it's just kind of hard to look back at, you know, a decision I didn't make and wonder if I should have made it. So uh, I, I feel like I'm rambling, so I apologize. No, that's, uh, that's fine. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that's my honest answer to your question. All right. Um, any other comments or information you want to add? And I appreciate you asking me that. Um, you know, I just want to be, be clear about this. Um, you know, a, a lot of your questions I answer, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, and I'm answering truthfully. Um, but by the nature of the questions you're asking and by the nature of the fact that it's just the two of us on the phone, you know, a lot of my answers are me, 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 me. And, you know, I just really want to be clear that um, the team that made this show um, you know, it was dozens of people at certain points, mm -hmm. and I, I, yes, I created it, yes, you know, I got the ball rolling, yada, 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 but the show that people watched on November, on December 22nd, um, had I been all by myself making the show by myself, uh, would not have been as beloved uh, by far as what we ended up making, and, you know, I read these reviews, and I read all these wonderful, wonderful things about the show, and so much of what I read is from the contributions of the editors and our post supervisor and the people who are in the field, you know, um, and our researchers. So, mm -hmm. you know, there were many times while making this show, I would be like, we should do this. And my people were like, well, we don't think that's a great idea, and here's why. And I'm like, oh, you're right. That was a bad idea. Cool. Thank you for your better idea. So I just, like I said, I just, yeah, I understand the nature of interviews and everything, of course, but I, I just really want to be clear. Um, this show was made by a lot of people. Uh, and like I said, I've made a lot of TV shows and, and a few movies. Uh, this, this is the best crew I've ever been a part of. And if we get more episodes, I pray to God uh, everybody comes back. Like, yeah. So throw, throw in some names. Name them. Name drop them.
So my head of production, uh, Cisco Henson, you know, even our post, uh, you know, one of our uh, AEs, assistant editors, Andrew Silverman, you know, just, uh, you know, just a great team, man. Just a great team. I appreciate you uh, asking me for their names. Yeah, no problem, because, you know, there's no I in team, and team stands for together, everyone achieves more. But, you know, you're just a figurehead, so that's why, you know, everybody's like, Brian did this, Brian did that, and of course, you know, you know, you know, it, it takes a collaborative effort to get everything together. You know, just like you know where I work at, I work at a, at a, um, I, I work at Five Star, which is you know we make race car bodies, and you know I do the cores at night, but you know everyone has an integral part into the production of a race car. So it's not just one person doing it. It's composites. It's it's the production people. It's the it's the graphics. It's it's everything. You know. So you know, of course. Everyone knows as a team, but, you know, people see you, they're like, oh, Brian put it together. He did this. He did that. You know, whatever, of course, but it's a collaborative effort. You know, it's a team effort. But, you know, then the thing is, you know, no one gets to hear the names or see the people behind the scenes that are, you know, you know, trying to negotiate to meet up with these people and everything like that. So, you know, of course, you know, it's a team effort and your team is a phenomenal team. Uh, awesome, awesome, um, Brian. Thank you so much, and um, um, I, I just, I just wish you great success, and I look forward in four months, which seems like an eternity. I hope I don't die in four months, but I'm, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny, dude. Dude, stay warm, man. I, I remember those winters. Not fun. Yeah, not fun at all, man. Um, hopefully, I'll take a trip to New York City one day again. Um, thank you so much, Brian, for the conversation. Much, much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope everybody here was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks. <laughs>